Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. tell you about a contest that we have going on it's simple to enter hopefully easy for you to win it includes a package for travel flight and hotel for two rental car as well $1,500 value plus a staff pass for Glazier clinics valued at $399 and all you need to do is go to glazierclinics.com slash win we've collaborated with Glazier to get this package for you and have the drawing for this on December 12th, which is the five-year anniversary of the podcast. Again, go to glazierclinics.com slash win to register. We're back for another week of Talking Ball with Noel Mazzoni on the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Coach, great to have you back as always. Thank you, Keith. It's always great to be with you. Every Monday, I see your call coming to and I go, oh shit, it's Monday again. That's right. <laughs> Well, today we're going to focus on thought process. Coach, when you think of that and looking at just the thought process side of things, we have to install that as well. So just, I guess, your philosophy and overview of how you like to handle that. I think of learning techniques, right? Same as any teacher would or anything like that. So what is the best environment, right? And what is the best way to give out information, have your guys retain information, and then be able to take that information to the field and process the information. I'm always reading up on that and you know, different learning techniques and things like that. So a couple of things that I do think, number one, is that, that especially today's youth, I'm probably going to say all youth, is that I think you learn in small amounts of time. I don't think an hour and a half meeting and you talking for an hour and a half. I think at some point you get diminishing returns. I kind of attack my classroom work the same way I, I attack a practice plan. Just like you go out and practice plan and say, okay, I got five minutes of stretch. I got five five minutes of team takeoff. I got 10 minutes of individual. I got 10 minutes of, of team. So I try to build my classroom work the same way. All right, so this five minutes, we're going to do this, and we're going to move on to something else. And then we're going to do this for 10 minutes, and we're going to move on to something else for five minutes. Hey, then we're going to take a little break. We're going to have a little Q&A or, or something in there that kind of maybe isn't football-related stories or whatever, then come back and do it again. So that's one thing I do. So to build my practice plans and also build my my classroom plans for the season weekly. So it's kind of the same. So I think the other thing that players like is they always like to know what's coming up. So 
I want them to know that, hey, Tuesday, that's our third down day. Wednesday's our red zone day. This is this is how it's going to fall, guys. We're going to look at their defense first. We're going to look at our past pitchers, and we're going to talk, or however you do it, right? So I want to build a schedule that way, too, of every day they know when we go to work, this is what we're working on today. So we're going to try to be as detailed and specific as you can. That's one of the things. The other point is I think that you have to be cognizant of how you put information in. So I kind of look at like like a computer. As smart as a computer is, a computer can only spit out information the way you put it in because then it'll process the information and it'll spit out what you want. Well, I think of it the same way. How am I putting the information in to my player? All right. And so same type of the thought processes. I want them to have, as a play goes in, kind of a checklist of this is how the play goes in. The first thing I teach you about a drop-back pass is not that it's three-step drop, all right, or that the X is running a go route or those type of things, all right? That's not the first thing I teach you. The first thing I teach you is what it's called. And the next thing I need to teach you, what's the protection? Okay, then what's your footwork? Before we even start talking about progressions and against certain coverages, how we're going to read this, right? Then I do a lot of wide vision, narrow vision work with, with the guys from there. And what I mean by wide vision and narrow vision is wide vision is just by hand you a book. Wide vision is just understanding the title of the book. Okay, there's the title of the book. Narrow vision is reading the page. So I want them to look at plays that same way or look at coverages that way. You know, if we're throwing our snag game, all right, the title of the book is, say, Chevron, okay? Now, what's my narrow vision? Well, my narrow vision is the nickel Sam, okay? All right, what's my progression? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, what's my wide vision? My wide vision is split safety, it's post safety. So those type of things. And then the last thing is, and I read this just the other day. Let's see if I can find it. It's in a teaching um, – Okay. The key is keeping people's attention focused on the task. But those who perform the best were the participants who are given constant feedback throughout the tasks they were performing. So sustaining one's attention is notoriously difficult. The longer an individual performs a task, the worse their performance may become. All right. This is some psychology guy, right? If you want to encourage people to maintain focus on a task, giving feedback about the performance, whether good or bad, is a very powerful motivator. So I want in the classroom and on the practice field constant feedback to these guys. Not like, hey, oh, we'll see it on film. What did you do there? I don't know. We'll see it on film. Okay? No, I don't want that. I want I want constant feedback. And it may be my backup quarterback standing behind him in, in seven on seven, right, going through the progressions and me having him – giving constant feedback to the other guy. Hey, I saw split safety. Hey, you should have been narrow vision on the nickel Sam. Hey, he widened your throw. should have thrown the snag or whatever, all right? But but I think the constant feedback, and then that doesn't make it as monotonous, and kids want that. They want feedback. They want to know, am I doing good or am I doing bad? Just some thoughts right there. Yeah, there, there's a lot to break down there, Coach, starting with – some important points that you bring up that you do have to have a plan for the classroom portion of this. It's, it's not just go flip on the video or get up on the board and draw things. Like a teacher, you have to have that lesson plan. You need to, to plan out. I mean, you know, beginning of any class, you know, they teach you there needs to be a hook, right? You've got to grab their attention right, right. away. So it, whatever it might be, and that's, you know, that really goes to a coach's style, 
I know for me, I got to the point where I had a great group of guys and quarterbacks and receivers. And so usually my meetings would start off with something that was kind of funny, but yet at the same time related to what we were going to do that day, what we were going to talk about. Then we would go into that lesson and, and, and then finding ways to bring everybody into that. You know, it's easy to keep your, your players who are on the field engaged but you need to develop those other guys too, right? Those guys sitting in the back row who maybe don't have those reps. And I think that classroom time's a, a perfect chance to start to develop them and keep them involved in the game. I agree completely. Like I'd probably spend half of my me- – if I had an hour meeting time with a kid, I'm gonna first I'm going to break it up probably into two 25-minute periods, take a break, or like you said, do something fun, watch a – watch an NFL cut up of some quarterbacks and just kind of, you know, bullshit about them or do something in there. And then probably half, the rest of the time, half of that time, my player is on the board and he's coaching us. I want him to coach me. I already know that. I already know the answers. You know, I know how it's supposed to work. I want to know what he knows, you know, and like you said, for me to get up there for an hour and drop all the passes and write, draw everything for him. The other thing that, that I think in that is, and we actually start camp this way is that when we draw, when we build our plays in the, in our playbook or on our notebook or whatever, my, my guys kind of build their own playbook. So we actually have, we actually take a day and we train on drawing circles, right? Make sure when we draw the circles, they're all, they're all uniform. So, and, and the point is that important? No, but the point I'm trying to get across is we, I want them to be very, very detailed when they draw things, when they take notes. So, you know, like here's the hashes. Hey, what's this receiver split? Oh, he's two yards outside the hash. Hey, we work we work on drawing the the defensive players where their alignments are. They, is a is a is a is a quarter, a cover four corner inside leverage or outside leverage of the receiver. Yeah, you know, so all these things when you draw the routes, no lines cross, right? Write the depths. Make sure the depths all match. You know, don't draw a curl route that looks like it's a five yard hitch. And on the other side, you draw a curl route that looks like it's a 10-yard hitch. You know, so I, I'm really on them about as they as they draw things down and write things down because that's another learning tool, mm-hmm. right? By drawing and writing, you're learning, right? And then the, the last thing is as they make their notes for that play, I want a plan. Okay, this is how I take my notes as far as the first – this is the first thing I'm going to – write down what is this play what is my protection are there any alerts or hots what's my footwork i want it to be the same on every play and then i try them to always write in their notes to give as much information as possible in the least amount of words so i don't want full long sentences to tell me that the nickel sam's hot all right or that it's a split safety read you know my progression is you know i want them to learn in short short verbal blasts mm-hmm. all right so you're but you're exactly right on that in the classroom portion of things too i know i always liked to once these guys are trained because you brought up that point and i love that idea of training them up on how to draw things it, i think that's so important but i think as you start camp or maybe it's in spring ball depending on where you're at and what you're allowed to do you know those first meetings with those guys really has to be installing what the meeting is going to be like, install those expectations, teach them how to talk about a play, right? Teach them how to break things down. I know we would get things to the point where 
really, I wanted the players to be able to take over that meeting and pass that cowboy remote around and tell me what they're seeing, not sit there and be passive and listen to me the whole time. You know, I'm, I'm the one then who can ask them questions about some of the things they're thinking and the what ifs and the things that start to build that learning. So very important things there. The other thing you talked about, coach, was out on the field, right? Instead of saying, oh, we'll, we'll catch it on tape. I know uh, back when the, you know, man, however long ago that was when everybody started running up-tempo stuff, the idea was, well, we'll just we'll teach off a tape. And I never really believed in that, right? I, I think when you see something, you have to address it then. I think you constantly have to be asking your players questions, and you need to find creative ways to do that if you are up-tempo and I heard a great one from the offensive line coach at Ferris State. His name's Sam Parker. Came on the podcast a couple years ago and talked about how his players really would, would get their mental reps. And, you know, basically he's standing behind with his offensive line, you know, 10 yards back from the play. And after every play, those guys are, you know, standing where, behind where their position is and they're verbalizing what happened, what they saw that was right, what they saw that needs to be fixed. And they're completely engaged in practice. And he carries that into the game. One of the first things they do in the game when they sit down on the bench after they come off after a series is their backup is telling him what he saw and communicating that with him. And they're talking back and forth before he even talks to them, right? So they spend a little time doing that. And I think that's where you know, the players have to take responsibility for their learning. Uh, they have to understand that this is always about feedback and evaluation. No, I mean, I love that stuff. And you're right, because what we started with this tempo stuff, which for me has been about 11 years now, is that you had it used to be that way. You had to change your style of coaching on the field. Because you remember when it'd be like, oh, run it again. And then we'd all stop and we'd listen to the tight end coach, coach's tight end or the receiver coach, you know. And I just always thought, man, it's so much wasted time. You know, there's a bunch of coach, a bunch of talking going on and we're not getting reps on the field. Right. And so I do think you have to adjust. And that's why the whole, hey, I want to have short keywords or verbal blasts. So as you're tempoed, you're back there and you're going, hey, narrow vision. All right. Hey, footwork. Hey, play in a phone booth. Hey, wide vision. You know, so you have all, you know, what you build, everybody's different, right? However you build it, because we're all different. We all learn different, right? Everything hits all our brains differently. You know, and the key is you got four quarterbacks in there, you know, and you're trying to coach four quarterbacks, then you have every one of those guys is going to learn differently. Some guys can take it from the board. Some guys have to visually go through it. Some guys, you know, you tell them once and they know it. They'll never forget. Some guy you tell him 25 times and he might remember, you know, so you have to kind of know your player. You got to know what feedback you need to get that guy, give that guy. Uh, just like some guys, you can coach harder than other guys. That's just a fact. You know, that mm-hmm. whole thing about you treat them all the same. Well, you treat them all the same as a team, so the team standards. But individually coaching, some guys have more needs, have different needs than other guys. That's just how God made them. And I think you have to be smart enough to adjust and to uh, recognize that and be able, to, be able to, to communicate with all your kids. There's good things that came out of the, the – uh 
Well, Hub Tempo used to be around before. There never used to be a huddle. A long time ago, if you watch like the old black and white films, these guys wearing leather helmets, they would just I get up to the... You read, read, I told you to read the 12 Mighty That's Orphans. Right. It started yeah. in 19, 1926. Yeah, they right? would just get up to the ball and go. That's yeah. like when you were in sixth grade, right, Keith? Something like that. No, something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the... You mentioned it, those short bursts of words. In, in, in the military, they call it brevity code, right? That you have to communicate concisely with your words. There's not time. You know, in, in the military, obviously not time in battle to have these long, drawn-out explanations of things. You have to give uh, communication in a couple words, and it has to be understood in a couple words. So that's the idea, I think, that everybody who who has been up-tempo has got, been able to get better at uh, using... Uh, short, concise things to coach their players up. Now, for me, I also, uh, again, wasn't uh, really keen on, well, we're only going to coach it up on film. And so I started to look for things before some of this technology even came out. I remember, uh, you know, back when I first started, uh, you know, writing coaching articles that I envisioned, um, you know, some some instant replay, being able to run and, and being able to take your players over to a viewing station on the field you know, during a five-minute break and evaluate and look at what was there immediately. And, well, now we have these instant replay systems, which came about, I think, a year after I wrote that. And so for me, it started with, you know, at first just bringing my, my own iPad out on the field, and I'd have somebody stand back there and film it from behind, and, you know, we would get the offensive line and quarterback and running backs in there. And I told those guys, at any point, you know, you, need, you didn't like what you saw or you didn't understand something – and feel free to bring that iPad up, right? We'll, we'll get somebody in for you. You need to take a look at it. It's fine. Our, our center would take advantage of that all the time. Was, he's always yelling, let me see that iPad, right? He wanted to see what the pressure was that was set against him so he didn't make that mistake the next time. And, uh, and then everybody started using that out on the field. The kickers were using it, right? They wanted to use it during their period to evaluate technique. Uh, receivers were using it at the top of the routes. Well, then a few years later uh, – Kind of through my writing and connections there, I was able to get uh, some some of this instant replay equipment, which you know you can't use on game day at the college level, but we used it in practice. So uh, this one we had, I was able to record, have my student assistant record off of my phone, and this this was great, you know. And then I had my iPad right under my script, and in between every play, as they're signaling in, in the play, because you know we have all that scripted, and I know you do it a little bit differently in calling things, but I would have that all planned out. They'd look at that. I'm watching that previous play, and then I'm communicating with guys up at the line of scrimmage, right? You know, I remember one time yelling at my my left guard, hey, Teddy, high leg on the double. You know, he's already down in his stance for the next play, and he just gives me a thumbs up. He knew exactly what I meant as I communicated right. to him, and that feedback was instantaneous. He didn't have to wait for a few hours later or later in the night when they come back after class to watch film. So I think there's a lot of things that coaches don't take advantage of. I know a lot of high schools have those systems, but they only pull them out on Friday nights. Even before we had that, we'd take that iPad and my tight ends group, you know, we'd hook it up to a a TV and during the special team period, which always uh, would break up our inside run in, in the next team period, those guys would go over if they weren't involved and they'd go over the run period with uh, the tight ends coach and understand, you know, where they fit in the right gaps, did they use the right footwork, et cetera. And really that kind of, of stuff where you're utilizing the technology, I think can, can really uh, 
speed things up as far as the learning. Yes, I never had that in college, though, with the iPad on the sideline. You know, then immediately watch plays afterwards. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's it's something that I know you can't use it on game day, but and man, if you have it in your budget, the way those things work, I think it's so during it's, during practice. Yeah, during practice, practice, it's valuable. Yeah, interesting. Thinking of other ways to to teach this, um, and I've I've mentioned this one on the podcast before, but uh, there's a free software out there called Go Army Edge, and and I know you've used this kind of stuff in all the things you've done with with end zone systems. You know, having those uh, what looks like Madden like players, right? You draw your plays up in this thing, and then they're executed by uh, like 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 in a video game, right? That's what appears there. So. You know, I found multiple uses for that, too. And certainly you see uses for the quarterback and being able to simulate plays. But what we found in, in one of my stops was we used it for our offensive line to get their reps on pass protection. So we would put in, you know, whatever stunts we were going to see that week, whatever blitzes we were going to see that week, some that we, we thought maybe maybe they do, we didn't see yet. And in 15 minutes because I'm not resetting a scout team every time, you know, we had it projected up on this racquetball court, right? I'd have my two offensive lines in there. They'd be looking up at the wall. They'd all take their steps, make their calls, you know, see twist coming. They'd, they'd communicate to pass it off and all those things. And the magic for me was that, you know, the first time I just went down there, explained what I wanted them to do, how I wanted them to communicate. And then from then on, I just stood upstairs and watched and, you know, asked questions every now and then, but they're going through and sorting it out and working out their problems and issues. And, and then if they have questions, they're looking up at me and answering. And I think that that's the kind of stuff when you can get your player to that point where they're able to teach each other, where they're able to communicate and they understand how to fix things, man, you're, you're going to be in a good place. Yes. Yes. And so, and so it goes back to the more they understand instead of, Instead of just, oh, I just run a curl route on this, or I run an OTB, or I run a flat. So why are you running the flat? So remember we talked before about the whys and the when. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? When am I doing this? All right. The more I think we give our guys that, that information, all right, the more ownership that they start to take in the offense, right? Yep. Like, like how many times have you rented a car and – first thing you do is open the uh, glove box and pull out the owner's manual and read everything about it. Have you ever? No. no. Right. But when you go to the, when you go spend your own money and buy your own car or truck and you drive it home, first thing I know I do is I pull out the owner's manual and see what, well, Hey, what's all the cool shit in this car? Yeah. Right. What, what do I need? To, what do I need to know? All right. So, you know, you need to let them read the owner's manual. Yes. Coach, looking looking at things on game day, because I, I think, as I mentioned, you know, finding ways that they, they don't all of a sudden then become these passive uh, learners that on game day they're just sitting there and listening to everything you give them that they're communicating as well. But again, you need to teach them to be efficient in how they're communicating. You only have a couple minutes between series, uh, sometimes right. less than that, till they go again. So some of the best things you've you've done in between series to get the things fixed, adjust things, find opportunity, et cetera. So I was kind of like your O-line coach from Ferris, right? Because the first thing when they come to the sideline is I always wanted the, the back, the backup quarterbacks 
to visit with the quarterback first before I talk to him. You know, because mm-hmm. because you know I have them looking at stuff just like that coach had his old line coach. You know, watching coverages or just whatever whatever information. So they were trying to gather as much information for the guy on the field as they could. So when uh, between series that my the starter starter would come off sit down and he would be sitting with the other quarterbacks and they would be talking about the game, right? Talking about what's going on out there. This guy's doing this, bada bang, whatever. Right. And then, and then um, I would go, I always, the first guys I always go to is the O-line. I would go down, visit with the O-line, talk to them. All right. And then the receiver coach usually has, you know, thoughts. And so they're sitting next to the quarterbacks. So the receiver coach, because receivers never know what the hell's going on. Right, you can't ask. You can't ask them. They just always think they're open. So you can't ask them. Hey, what kind of coverage you get? You know, they. All, the only thing they'll ever say is, "Coach, give me a double move. I can beat this guy." Right? That's all they ever say. Right? So the receiver coach just whatever you know information he's got to get to him. Then I would come down, and then we kind of have a group discussion with the quarterbacks, receivers, and backs. Right? So that way, I got a chance to kind of kind of talk to all the groups in between series. I, I think that's what you're asking, right? Yeah, no, that's that's great. Yeah, um, some great things there as well. And then, Coach, as, as things move on, you know, you always have that day after the test, right? The test has been graded. In other words, you've played the game, and now it's time for them to, uh, to own up to the things that they need to get better at. So, I've heard you speak before. I think it was in St. Louis at a Glazier clinic. And I remember you talking about for some of the things, unit things that you had, I think you called them captains, right? Like guys who were were responsible for looking at certain things. But let's get to them in a minute. Let's talk about the individual first, right? Because I think, you know, if, if, uh, and believe me, I've I've been there as, as a player. I've probably done it a little as a young coach where that next day turns into an ass ripping session and, uh, it's it's really not productive, right? I, I really feel that uh, the one thing we don't talk enough in, in about enough in building culture is how big evaluation and feedback is to it. That if you're doing evaluation and feedback the right way, it's really going to uh, cement everything you're trying to do within your culture. If you're not good at it and you're not communicating those things in a way that people can understand and improve – things will fall apart pretty quickly. So those day after, um, whenever it might be, you know, next day or, or two days later, um, depending on when you take your day off, uh, those days are very important. So what's the approach bringing those guys back in so, after a game? First of all, I try to move through the game as quick as I can. And basically I just want the guys to know this. So as I, as you watch a game, there's a couple things that, um, that, 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 the, that the player's responsible for, and then there's things that the coach is responsible for, you know. Uh, so we call, so we kind of break those down, like we call them the my bad bro tape, all right. So what the player can control, all right, no matter his athletic ability or he's playing against a guy that's just so much more athletic than him or bigger than him or faster or whatever, right, but the things that he control that he can control, all right? Can he get lined up right? Hell yeah, he can always get lined up right. Can he know his motions? Can he can he can he finish? Can he play with finish, right? Or is he, or is he just you know taking plays off? Um, can he protect the football? 
Yes, he can protect the football. Can he eliminate penalties, foolish penalties, jumping off sides, things like that, motion, things like that? Yes. So there's a list of things that are what we call my bad bros, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, when a guy does, he goes, oh, that's my bad. Well, we don't want any – we don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear my bad bro. Hey, you know, they, they slap their chest. Oh, my bad bro. I jumped off sides. My bad bro, right? I, I you know, I didn't line up at, at a plus two split. I lined up too, too tight or I did whatever, okay? Or – I didn't know who to block. Okay. Well, you should know who to block. Well, I didn't know what run to route, what route to run. Well, you should know what route. So those are all things that are very controllable that are not based based at all on your ability as a, as an athlete. All right. Now, there's also things that athletically you just get beat. They got good players too, mm-hmm. right? There's also things that that as a coaching as a coach as a coach that you didn't give your guys a chance to have success. All right. You know, I mean, we're trying to run outside zone into, into, into a, you know, fire zone to the play side, all right, and we're asking our guys to do something that they just can't do, which is, you know, it's just too damn hard, all right? So you have to identify those things, too. So that's that's my bad, not mm-hmm. theirs, right. all right? So that's right. not – I'm not going to yell at them for that, all right? So really the only thing is the controllables, all right? So I always talk about control the controllables, where there's a there's controllables in your offense just the bases that you can control so that's that's the my bad bro tape all right um other than other than that then it's then it's okay have we given our guys a chance with the scheme we've we've put we've game plan for these guys shit sometimes it's the play caller sometimes he's putting us in a bad you know the play play that gets called or i haven't given them a answer all right to a test so in other words, every play is a test, right? And there should always be an answer. Okay. And sometimes the answer may be they win, throw it out of bounds, but I need to tell them that. All right. You see this and this happens, man. You just need to throw this out of bounds. We ain't, I mean, we don't have a play. So, so those are all the things that I want to look at in the game instead of just, we play like shit and just bitching at those guys. And if you go, when I go back and think about it and look at it, all right. The controllables are the ones that usually lose our lose football games for us. It's the old twelve percent rule, right? Right. Backs, foolish penalties, drop balls, and turnovers. Okay, those are things that we think we should be able to control. Even if you miss a, you know, even if a three technique beats your guard quarterback, your job is to get it back to the line of scrimmage or throw it away. Do not take the sack. So those are the controllables. Right. And then I mentioned you had your. Uh, your captains, your guys who, you know, had an eye for them, responsible for other things. Right. What I did is I kind of took my older guys and I took a receiver, a running back, uh, and an offensive lineman and, you know, whatever, right? And I gave them all – I gave them all – they were captains of the controllables, all right? So, uh, say, my center, all right? So, so he was the captain of any foolish penalties, so what he would do is come in after the game and he would pull in, he would pull any of them out. All right. And make a cut up for us. Right. And he would actually, he would actually show in our, our team meeting our offensive meeting, he would actually show the, show his cut up. All right. He could do whatever he wanted on his cut up. All right. But he could say, Hey, look, it was lined up here. Hey, the problem here was quarterback. Your snap count screwed up. All right. You held us too long. Hey, receiver, you got to line up, you know. So whatever the foolish penalties were, he was the captain of the foolish penalties. So that was his job. His job was to coach 
coaches out of foolish penalties, if that makes sense, right? Yes, yes. We had a turnover guy, and then we had uh, we had a finish guy, so he would go look at the game. He would usually sit down with his position coach, and they'd run through it, and they would pull out any guys that weren't finishing, you know, on the backside of a block or, or whatever, and put those up there. So it was really cool because it really – it really like brought the guys closer together because mm-hmm. they were, they were kind of coaching each other and they were making, they were holding each other accountable instead of me getting up there and yelling, Hey Johnny, you know, don't jump offside. You're killing us. Well, now it was one of his peers right. saying, Hey Johnny, bro, you're killing us right here. You can't, you know, and it, it always means more to those guys. Right. So uh, yeah. So I had, I had, I, I put captains to things that I thought were important. And it was their job to, uh, and I'd give them five, ten minutes of the meeting time. You know, I think we had we'd have two two phases every 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 day when we start our offensive team meeting. All right, so two of the captains got to speak, and sometimes they come up and say, "Hey guys, great job! We had no no foolish penalties this game." And he put some funny video up there or something like that or whatever. So it, we try to make it fun, but also try to make them accountable. I love that idea. Yeah, they really start to take ownership in it then. And again, it, it makes them active participants in that meeting instead of coming and waiting to, you know, verbally get beat up or whatever it might right. be. It turns it more into a learning situation. It turns the accountability not to you as the coach, but to each other. So I, I really like that idea. And it was funny because it started to carry over into practice. Mm-hmm. Right. So like my center was always he he was like the foolish penalty jump off sides lined up right, and I mean he was chewing guys' asses out out there. Not me. He yeah. was making sure it was done right, and that's what I wanted, you know. And I wanted the turnover guy, like a guy was like not taking care of the football in seven on seven, and you know sometimes even though the play's kind of over and the DB runs at the very end and knocks it out of the receiver's hands, well those guys man they get on each other now about keeping it high and tight or the finished guy, you know, they, they see stuff out there too. And they would, and they were actually became coaches on the field for those things for us. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'd always tell the guys like I'm one set of eyes, right? If I add in all the, the other coaches, maybe we have six set of eyes. I'd rather have everybody on this side of the ball, understanding what, what we're seeing and being able to communicate it. So I think those things are huge as you go through and install that, within uh, the framework of what you do in your offense. Really, it applies to any any side of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams, to give it that kind of detail. The last thing, so as you go through your game plan, I always would do this, if you know, to kind of set up the lesson plans for the week. So let's say you're going to run a, just an example that you put a naked in, okay? So I would sit down and I would try to think as the play progresses, okay, what am I going to call it? Does that make sense? What's the concept or what's the concept? Okay. What am I going to call it? It needs to make sense. It needs to fit in the system. Okay. And then, okay. If I'm the quarterback, what's the next thing I need to know? Well, on naked, the next thing I know, is there an alert? Yes. There's an alert edge pressure. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's my answer? Check the whiskey protection, throw quick game, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was, that was, that was like the third thing he learned. Okay. What's the next thing he needs to learn? Well, footwork. Okay, good ball handling, you know, sticking in my stomach to his stomach, blah, 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 all that. Okay, then he would go, okay, what's my wide what's my wide vision? Okay, wide vision, split safety, wide vision, post safety, wide vision alert. Okay, 
Now, what's my narrow vision? Well, my narrow vision is the flat defender. Okay, what's my progression? Low to mid to high. So every naked I put in, I put in in that order to the guys. So that's how they learn naked. So if I ask them right now, hey, what's your alert? Hey, boom. You know, uh, check, check whiskey versus edge pressure. All right. Hey, what's your narrow vision? Hey, curl flat defender. You know, so, you know, what's your footwork? Tell me, they tell me the footwork of it. So I just, I had those, those, those items and I had them, I had them chronologically the way I think that the players should think about it. I mean, you can do the same thing for your center, your guard, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. Wide vision, 4-1 box. Okay. Is there an alert? Yeah, there's two, three techniques, alert to twist. You know, they're tight five, alert the, alert the ET. You know, you can do the same thing for every position. Yeah. I love it, Coach. Well, believe it or not, that's that's right to the end of our time. That went pretty fast today. I know we both got pretty excited about those ideas, but I think it's because they're so important to what we do. I mean, it's easy to draw up the plays, right? How do you make them work? And and that's everything we talked about today, a, a ton of detail that goes into it. Right, right. That's the fine line in tempo, right? Is the is the de- the detail. So if you're going to be if you're going to be tempoed and you're going to be detailed, I think what suffers is volume. Exactly. And that's that that's what you give up, which is fine. That's who you want to be, and that's what you are. You know, um, and it's a fine line in coaching that. So you have to have a plan on how am I going to get my guys to line up, play fast, know what they're doing do all these things and coach them at the same time, you know? So that's always the fun part. Definitely. Well, coach, I, I will let you know when it's Monday again, be expecting that call. Okay. I enjoy this one. And as always, I appreciate your time. All right, buddy. See you, Keith. Thank you again for listening to the coaching coordinator podcast. Again, we've pulled some strings for you and we have collaborated with Glazier to offer that package to win a flight hotel rental car and a Glazier staff pass, go to glazierclinics.com slash win. 